0: if I can't get it on my own. If you don't like the way I'm living, just leave this bald headed country boy alone. What's up, folks? Thank you all for tuning into the Josh Terry podcast. Uh, this guy right here, I heard him on one of our previous episodes as we were in the transition of moving. Uh, I've only been around him once, but I feel like I've known this guy forever. Now there was ever anybody that I identify with as far as views on life, religion, politics, anything. It is this dude. This dude is hilarious. He's a songwriter, singer, podcaster. This dude could be where the fuck you wanted to be, to be honest with you. (laughs) Mr. Chad Prather. What's up, buddy? (laughs)
1: What's up, Josh, man. It's good to be back with you, brother. Anytime. You, uh, yeah, man. It's uh I think the last time I was on the show, I just had the phone propped up in a hotel room. Yeah. So now I'm in my home studio. So this is this is a better look all the way around, brother.
0: All the way, dude. That is a nice fucking setup.
1: Dude, they came in here. We built this studio out. You know, I was with the Blaze uh doing the Chad Prather show for I don't know, five years. This is my eighth year of podcasting, and uh I I just said I'm gonna move the studio into my house. And those guys came in and they built this sucker out in like two days. And then they started taking all my furniture from around my house and putting it in here. And I was like, man, y'all can't, y'all, they they were like, well, we just like your furniture better than what we were decorating with. And so they just emptied my house out and put it in this little square, this little, this little corner of my room.
0: (laughs) I shit you not. Same thing. I've had a commercial property for a studio for the past three years. And probably in November of last year, I was like, you know what? I just don't. I don't want to keep paying for this. I'm on the road so much. It makes no yeah. sense to spend a couple thousand dollars a month and not be there. And I was like, you know what? Let's just move it into the house. We're moving anyway to a bigger house. We'll do like a temporary setup, make it look decently nice. And then once we move, we'll build it out probably the same way you've done. Like where it's actually yeah. a stage and all that shit. But it, it, it's nice to have this shit though. Like it looks good. It makes us look more professional. I'm trying to get <laughs> as professional as you are. Uh, Shit, dude, you know, you know
1: you know what you're doing. <laughs> you're a trip, dude. If people knew, man, we, we couldn't even get the camera to work here before we started <laughs> taping this damn thing. We uh, I have I ran into a I ran into a buddy of mine uh the other day. He was my first entertainment attorney years ago. And he used to tell me all the time, he said, Chad, you're the only guy I know that got famous by pretending to be famous.
0: <laughs> and I said, dude,
1: hey, dude you just got to look like you know what you're doing, bro, and just and just keep on pushing through. And uh, anyway, yeah, man, but I, it's been good. I, You know, I'm, I'm always shooting you text messages, or you're sending me a message because we got so much in common. And uh, I just appreciate your voice, man. I appreciate your show, and and it's just good stuff, dude. And And you, you just keep on rocking, bro. Just keep on rocking.
0: Well, with you, dude, like, I'll be real with you. When we first met, I'd known who you were through some videos and stuff on the internet, like everybody, but then I've gotten to know you since then, since last summer. And, uh, man, it's just like if I already didn't enjoy what you do, I appreciate it now. Everything Uh. that you post, the damn, because there's no way with some of the shit you post, you're not getting hate and backlash. (laughs) And you, I can tell you view it the same way I do is like, I'm not trampling on your opinion of something. Why the fuck are you bothering me about it? And it's like just the way you're being you. I can appreciate that.
1: I, uh, I, you know, the biggest compliment I think that I've gotten over the years of doing stuff, you know, and people who don't know what I do, you know, I, I was doing television and radio and then I started doing little video commentary in my truck, you know, wearing the cowboy hat and sitting in the cab of the truck and that stuff blew up and went crazy viral back in early 2015 and I just kind of translated that into, into more opportunities to just kind of run my mouth and build a platform. But um, you know, the biggest compliment over the years that people have given me in doing all of this content is they say, you know, you're you're genuine. Like, you just are what, what you see is what you get. And I hope that's true because, you know, I think that you're more successful when you're comfortable in your own skin and you just kind of have that identity issue kind of settled, which, I mean, I'm 51 years old. but I have people all the time who meet me and they go, they go, we don't, we don't really know who you are. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm 51 years old and I'm still trying to figure that out. So, so that's okay. But you know, I think when you know who you are and you kind of know where you came from, you you kind of figure out where you're going, right? And so I think the authenticity is is something that's that's a big compliment for me because I certainly just try to be that and relax. And you do a good job of that as well. And I'll tell you, we got the proof, bro. We got the proof because both of us have girlfriends that are way fucking hotter than us.
0: <laughs> and lie.
1: uh I mean, we, I mean, you know, people look at my girlfriend CJ and they ask, they ask me how and they ask her why. <laughs> so I mean, I was like, I don't know why she's with me, but I, I don't know. She says she says confidence is the most attractive thing. Yeah, it certainly I- ain't just three it certainly ain't just three inch dick.
0: Yeah, I tell, me I swear to God, you stole it out my mouth. I tell my, I tell everybody all the time. My old lady was just tired of good-looking guys with big dicks. That's all it was. When, when she, when she figured out there was another option, she was like, "Fuck it, I'm done with these motherfuckers. Let's go. Let's yeah, go off Let's see what second place looks like." Yeah, uh, she,
1: she's a trip. I, you, you done well for yourself, son. You did well. I
0: Appreciate well. it. I, I, keep up with you. You do too. Uh, but, but back to uh what you were saying about the authentic thing you don't ever have to try like to me i I try to explain this, folks to every all the fucking time people like you and me we could be having a day to where we know that we work in social media we know we got to make posts we know we got to say shit and we could have a day was like man ain't nothing gonna come to me this is just gonna be a shitty day i'm not gonna have anything funny intelligent witty to say or whatever (laughs) And we won't think about it. We'll just go on about our day and more than likely something will fucking happen to where it's like, Oh, that's the content I needed today to where somebody who's not genuine or somebody who's just not entertaining, they're going to stress about it all day to become that character or come up with something that that character would say when you're Chad Prather, when you're Josh Terry, and that's the character ourselves is the character We don't have to sit there and force nothing. And people eventually see through that bullshit. They'll see, oh, that person's just literally doing what makes them money or gets them views. They're not being authentic.
1: I see that a lot. And it's a turnoff, right? You can tell when people are faking it. I have people every now and then who will come to me and say, you know, why aren't you posting more or whatever? And I'll say, well, I just didn't have anything to say. Like, like I, I don't want to go out there and manufacture it. And sometimes you do. I mean, sometimes if I have a sketch idea or a funny idea, I'll go out there and make that happen. But, you know, my best videos, the ones that do the best for me, when I put them on social media, usually my girlfriend tells me it's when I'm pissed off because mm-hmm. I'm a pretty passionate guy. Like, I, I'm a pretty passionate dude. Like, if I see something that really just drives me up the damn wall, I usually just pop the camera up right there on the side of the road in my truck and just go off. And that's – and I think – I think that resonates with people, the reality and the in the, in the the realness of that, because there's so many people out there who will tell you, they'll say, you say the things that we want to say, but we can't say it. yeah And so like years ago, I used to say, you know, why? You could say whatever you want to say. Why can't you say it? And then I realized people have jobs and all the bullshit that's out there that, you know, they could have consequences for, you know, you lose a job or piss off an employer or something like that, or family, or hell, I don't know but I don't have to worry about that. Right. So I, you know, if something bugs me, I'm going to say it. And you're right. I do get the hate. I mean, I get the, I get the the messages and the mail and the trolls and the people that, you know, God, I've gotten the death threats and, you know, I, I don't take any of that stuff seriously. I just keep on rocking and rolling. You know, we're out doing, we're out doing live shows across the country. Uh, You know, every single year I've been on, I've been on tour for 10 straight years doing comedy and music and uh, I get out there, man, and I realize who the real people are. I don't worry about the internet trolls or anybody else. But if you're doing it right, I think if you're doing it right and you're being real, people are going to hate on you. But you know this as well as I do, you ain't never met a hater that's doing better than you. Right. It, it's always somebody that's that's jealous and being a little bitch about it. So
0: um, well, I let them think, have it. I think with me, I I appreciate the hate. I appreciate that if I post something, And I'm passionate about what I post that is literally because I believe I'm not ever going to post anything that I don't actually believe or stand for. And I and if you do that, if you don't receive some hate, then I think you're just I think you're being fake. And I think you're not putting your general feelings out there how you fucking really just feel. (laughs) And when you get that, hate, it's usually somebody just as passionate about it. So yeah. if if something struck a nerve with me to where I wanted to post something, I damn sure want to post something that strikes a nerve with why I'm posting it. So if you're not getting the hate from it, I don't think you're, I don't think you're doing what you're supposed to. I don't think you're accomplishing your goal.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, uh, you know, I, I jumped into political humor back in, I guess it was 2015 because, because the primaries, were going on then and, you know, wound up being the candidates were Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And and I can remember during the primary process, I said, trying to figure out which candidate we want uh, to be president is like figuring out which venereal disease you're most okay living with for the next four to eight years. Because I didn't like any of them. And so, you know, I started kind of going down that path. And and then people started kind of expecting my political opinion on certain things. And I look back sometimes, I was like, damn, you know, I could have just continued to be an entertainer and a comedian and kept my mouth shut on politics and probably been just fine. But people say, if you could go back and do it all over, would you do it different? I was like, no, because I think I've done some good. Yep. Like, I, like, I think I've I've helped influence some minds. You know, I ran for office. I ran for governor here in the state of Texas. People thought that was a big joke, but it about killed me. Um, it, you know, that, I ran for office here in the state in the last primary two years ago. And uh, yeah, I've done a bunch of stuff, and and been it's opened up a ton of platforms for me to go out there and and be real, but to use humor, right? To use humor as a way to get the point across. I've always said if you could take common sense and wrap it in humor, you know it makes it an easier pill to swallow. And so, you know, I I, I appreciate the path. You know, I appreciate the hustle of it, like you. I mean, you kick ass because while we're, while we're still circle jerking each other, I'll just tell you, yeah, the thing I admire I need, about I need, you. I need a good one. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing that I admire about you is like a couple of other buddies of mine who just hustle. Man, I okay. respect the shit out of hustle, right? You know, whether you got to get up and down the road or you got to show up for another gig or you got to get your ass out of bed in the morning. One of the things that, I, that scared me because years ago when I first started doing the Chad Prather Show podcast, is I was just doing an audio only podcast, and I would do it out of my house or hell. If I had guests, I can remember being at the at the uh, hotel downtown Nashville, having uh, singer songwriters come into my hotel room, and we set up a damn ironing board with microphones on it, and we would just I have, have a conversation. Done that we yeah. are the
0: same fucking person. I've done. yeah, that.
1: yeah. and I mean I, I would do that stuff, and then I would have then I would record at home, and sometimes I got to the point where I was like, damn man, I don't know if anybody's listening to this shit or not. Is it worth it? And now, man, honestly, uh, doing this, people ask me all the time if, if I could only do one thing that I do, because I do about 10 different things. I, I think the number one thing now that I'm most passionate about is this medium right here yeah. uh, of being able to just communicate with people every day and say what's on my heart It's good therapy. I could tell you that. Yeah, um, it is. And that's why for me, like we started doing, we do the video podcast like this and uh, it's, it's a good looking deal. And uh, I wish you, I was good. I'm not good looking, but the set looks great and the lighting looks great. And, and we were doing, you know, with the blaze, I was doing uh four or five shows a week. Every night was a show. And then when I went independent and started doing this particular set, we went to two nights a week, Tuesday and Thursday. And I said, man, I got more to say than that. So I started doing another audio only podcast that I release on Mondays and Wednesdays it's still the Chad Prather show, but I call it to the point. And I just go over news headlines and give my take for about 25 minutes. It's short and just bam, bam, bam. And, uh, cause we, we got a crazy fucking world out there right now, man. And, you know, I mean, it's insane. And, and I, I don't, I think if we don't point it out and get passionate about it, we're screwed, but you know, regardless of what the voice is or what, what gets you up in the morning, I love the fact you got passion and, and you keep on going. I mean, because you you live in Georgia, which I'm from Georgia. I live in Texas now. I've been in Texas now for 22 years. But I grew up in Georgia, went to the University of Georgia. And you and I met in Nashville. And I was like, I just assumed you lived in Nashville when we met. Right? <laughs> I could, I could it, never
0: fucking live there.
1: No, bro. Ain't no way. Mm-mm. And uh, um, I used to think I could, but now I've gotten older, I can't do it. But I'm like, you know, I know you're up and down the road hustling, doing it, doing the show, you know, doing it in live arenas as well. So, yeah, the hustle makes all the difference in the world, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, I think that, and this is, we're still jerking each other off, like you said. Let's go. It is one thing to hustle, but it's also another thing to have a different way of saying the same thing that everybody's heard a million times. You You have a way the same way that I do. And I'm only saying that because people listen to the show. I appreciate where I'm at in the world with the show. They like that I have a way of mixing everything, where it's politics, religion, mental health, comedy, country music, whatever, current events, all into one, to where you never know what you're going to get by any other minute. And another show, they're going to focus on one thing and one thing along. I've heard you go on rants before, to where you could have started off, On talking about one thing, if it's a in the alphabet and somehow you ended up on Z, but you enjoyed the whole fucking ride. Like it (laughs) it could have been 20 different subjects by the time you got done with what your original concept was. See, I I think that I love is your comedy. That's something that I told you last time I was trying to get into, like, I've always been scared to do it, but I'm trying to work myself up, up into trying it because i think that comedy is just great storytelling i right. think that a good comic what what really got me dude is i went i got a buddy who's real big on social media and he invited me to one of his shows he was good the rest of the acts that night i figured out that night that i was better at comedy than them and i've never <laughs> got on stage just because i realized you can't tell a joke and then the next joke out of your mouth has nothing to do with the first one. There has to be a transition period. Like right. you, you're telling a story and you really want it to be where you wrap around at the end, back to the original concept or point of your, your whole at your bit. And yeah. I was like, I can tell a story. Like I can, I can tell a fucking story. And I was like, you know what? I listened to some of your stuff. You're great at it. And I, After seeing some of these people, it's like, damn, I get why Chad is as good as what he is. He's a good (laughs) storyteller. He tells it from a different uh, perspective, regardless if it's him doing stand-up, him writing a song, or whatever. It's a different, or doing your shows especially. You do it from a different perspective, and you don't do it to where like you're even bashing people. If you make a point, you're making a fucking reasonable, logical point to somebody, and that's usually probably what pisses them off because it makes them think, oh, and I well, appreciate, and the other, I appreciate that.
1: Well, the other thing I think that pisses them off is I do it with confidence. Oh, like, yeah. you know, that's that's the thing that I think bugs a lot of dudes out there. They they really get pissed off when somebody is confident because they think it's arrogance, right? They think that they think that you're just being pompous when it's like, no, I just am passionate and I believe in in what I'm saying. But to your point about storytelling, that's a lost art. That that's something yeah. that you know, if you go back, back before we had telephones, telephones, television, teleprompters, you know, telegraphs, people had tell a story. I mean, that's that's all you yeah. had. You know, you you pass down the oral traditions, you pass down the, you know, the the genealogies and the families. I mean, you go read the Old Testament. I mean, the Old Testament was primarily a bunch of people that kept telling the next generation the story of their fathers. Right? Yeah. And these days, people don't know grammar, much less how to tell a story.
0: Yeah, I can't so, help you with that one now. Like, I fucking... I, I'm <laughs> dyslexic any fucking way, but I suck at everything when it comes to grammar, spelling, whatever. Well, I just say, you
1: know, I just say that people... Like, I used to teach classes or we'd get together with, you know, groups of men at these different deals and we would, we would get those guys together and we'd say, okay, hey, guys, we're going to sit out here, we're going to have a beer, drink a little whiskey tonight... And I want everybody to tell a story, and we, you know, we have 20 guys out there. And those guys, when they'd come to those events, they had their story ready. And so for me, I, I just said, if you can tell a story, man, you can really influence the world. You can certainly, you know, I, like at the end of the day, I consider myself beyond anything else. I'm a salesman. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta sell me. I gotta sell my show. I gotta sell tickets. I gotta sell merchandise. I'm a salesman. And so I think that I succeed, I rise and fall to the degree that I'm able to tell a story. And it's a lost start. It's a lost start. I mean, my God, you know, pick on my girlfriend. She ain't here to to defend herself, but she'd know I'm right. I mean, she's all over the place, dude. She starts telling something, and God knows where she's going with that thing. And I just sit there and look at how pretty she is. And so uh, I'm like, girl, nobody knows what you're talking about at this point. Nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. But I give her a hard time about that. And of course, tongue in cheek picking on her. But um, that that ability to do that is. is, is, And so when I started doing the social media videos, I just didn't think that anybody wanted to listen to a talking head for any length of time. Right. I was like, I'm just going to bore people. So I wanted to know how fast can I get a point across in 60 seconds? So I would take a minute and people would say, God, you talk so fast. In those videos, and I said that was the point. That was kind of the shtick. That was funny, is how fast can I get this stuff out? Yeah, and uh, how fast can I say it? And I, that, in and of itself, was kind of funny, right? But it was a, it was a huge discipline for me to 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 make myself get rid of anything extra and just get straight to the point with what I was trying to tell people. And so to this day, I still try to do those things. And uh, my mother, she'll call me on the phone and she's like, I watched that video of you and I just, I wanted to breathe for you. Like I couldn't breathe. You were talking so fast. (laughs) And for me, that's fun. I think it's kind of funny to be able to do something like that. And so I just practiced it over the years and, and uh, my brain works about five seconds in front of my mouth. So I can see where I'm going with it. And, and these days, man, people, they don't, they don't practice communication, right? No. They don't practice, you know, a I, I, perfect example. So we had our first big weekend of music shows because I do comedy and I always do comedy music. So for anybody that don't know what I'm talking about, think of like Rodney Carrington singing titties and beer, right? Yep. So I always incorporate comedy music into my stand-up shows. But we also, I have a band and we go out and do, um, you know, legit music as well. And you know, I'm doing a bunch of stuff with a Nashville label now based records. And we're working on a lot of projects. In fact, I was supposed to be in Nashville this past week, but my allergies were messing me up. Sort of like the night we met, I couldn't hardly talk there in Nashville. Seems like every time every every time, you know, the devil knows I'm going to Nashville to go to work, he takes my voice away from me or something.
0: We might be but, the same fucking person. I shit you not. Every time I cross that fucking line, yeah, my allergies and I got bad allergies anyway. They yeah. attack me, but it's almost yeah. like my body knows going up there.
1: It's well, Nashville weird, sits – it geographically, topographically, Nashville sits down in a bowl. And so it's lower than everything. And so those allergens kind of nestle down on the city right in there. Mm-hmm. In fact, the the Indians used to call it the Valley of Death because they felt so bad when they went through Nashville uh, because their allergies would act up, and they didn't know what the hell was going on. They just knew they, when they went through there, they got sick. So I canceled – you know, going in, I was supposed to do some vocal work. You know, I, I go in the studio. My engineer is Dan Frizzell. He's vocal engineer for Kid Rock. He's recorded everybody doing all this stuff with Chris Wallen, who's a multi-platinum songwriter. We've written a bunch of great songs together. And so I was supposed to be out there. Well, the weekend before that, I had my first big weekend of music shows, Friday night, Saturday night. And I had not done a music show since the 1st of December. So I was two and a half months of not exercising that singing muscle, right? Just just take it for granted. And you're like, yeah. I'll get back on stage and start singing. Shit. I mean, I beat my ass half to death trying to get them notes out, dude. <laughs> so by the time I was done that Sunday morning or that weekend, last weekend, I didn't have a voice. And it's like, you got to exercise that thing. But you also, it's like when you're telling a story or you – are trying to think critically on something or you want to be a good interviewer or something, you got to, you got to exercise that shit. And these days people just don't exercise uh, their, their ability to communicate anymore. And, um, but then you got some folks that, you know, you know, they're just natural, good storytellers and people say, God, and it's a gift. It really is a gift. So
0: I I think it's something you have to hone though. Like with me, I have a couple of bad habits and I'm not big on listening back to myself like during a show or videos, whatever. But I'll catch myself doing bad habits all the time. Like one I'm working on right now is I'm really bad about saying to a guest. And I don't know why, if it's just because I want you to know that I've said it before, or I try to make this point over and over again, but I'm always telling people on the show, it's like, Oh, just the other day I said this to so-and-so or on the other episode I said this to so-and-so. Yeah, Like trying to, I don't know, like I've made this point before and I don't know why the fuck you have to do that. And it's something that I don't (laughs) like about me telling a fucking story. So now I'm trying my best to stop that. And if you don't work on those skills and you don't work on being good at it, you're not the type of person, nor am I, to where we're okay with mediocre. I will not be okay with, I want to be, the best at what I do. Well, like I'm realistic. Like I'm not fixing to be fucking Joe Rogan tomorrow uh, or anything, but I try to like, look at where I'm at compared to where somebody was at, at the same level. I'm three years into this after leaving country radio. I'm doing very well as far as my numbers go compared to a lot of other people, but that's not good enough for me. I want to keep going. I want to keep pushing and grinding. And I know you're the same way. And unless we grow and try to learn and make ourselves better storytellers or whatever, then we're just going to be ordinary, like fucking everybody else. And I mean, you probably ain't happy enough with ordinary.
1: No, I don't like it, man. I don't like it. I've got, you know, I've got comedian friends that I take on the road with me, my buddy, Jesse Payton. He's open for me now for three years. And all over the country, and people are like, you know, why do you take Jesse? And he's funny; he's a great comedian. But they're like, why do you? Why does Jesse? Why do you always take him with you? And I'm like, because he hustles, and I know he's gonna work hard, and he's gonna get his ass where he needs to be, and he cares about what he does. And yeah, I'm one of those guys. You know, I'll go over to Chartable.com and I'll see where the show's charting or where we're ranking. You know, and this all vanity. Oh, absolutely. But, but I'm always checking out to kind of see where we're sitting in the podcast rankings um, because I want the thing. I You know, I, I always say I'm not in this. This is not recreational. It's not recreational communication. I really do want to get a point across and make a difference with the stuff that I'm saying. You know, I, I want to be like, I don't really do New Year's resolutions, but I, but I do try to think of like, okay, what is my mission for the year? And typically you can summarize it in like, one word. For me, this word this year was the word deliberate. I didn't want to be just throwing shit against the wall and see what stuck. I want to be strategic and deliberate. I want to know that if I get involved in a project, that it, it's there's a reason I'm doing it. Because I, I'm the world's worst about giving away my time, giving away my effort and energy, uh, giving away my money. I mean, I, I'm the world's worst in, in, in regards to all those things because I don't protect it Cause I feel like I got to get, I got to do it all. Got to do it all. Got to do it all. And then you wind up not doing anything well. So this year for me is, is all about just being deliberate and, and you're right. I mean, it's, um, you want to be the absolute best you can be. I, I laugh about, you know, the Ricky Bobby quote where he says, you know, we get up in the morning, we piss excellence.
0: Yeah.
1: I, that's what I want to do. I want to do everything with excellence. I remember taking my kids when they were little to Disney world down in Florida And the biggest thing that stood out to me, I mean, if they had a horse pulling a carriage, if that horse shit on the sidewalk, there was somebody that just magically appeared out of a damn bush and swept that shit up. I mean, it was like everything they did was just excellence, excellence, excellence. And I was like, God, I mean, some of this stuff in this park, they just built it so you'd look at it and go, wow, that's cool. And, And it serves no other fucking purpose other than to say, wow, that's cool. And I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to do that when I'm on stage. I want to do that when we're doing this type of show. I want to do that when I'm playing music. And I'm not a musician. That's the beauty of it. Like, I go out and do music. I tell people, I say, you know, I I come from a family of musicians, and I'm the least musician of all of them. And I come from a family of cowboys, and I'm the least cowboy of all of them. But I'm the only person in my family that was ever able to really take those two things and make any money doing them. And so I just said, listen, if I can take enough of the things I'm mediocre at and put them together and really put the effort behind, you know, being an entertainer and a showman, it makes for a pretty good damn show. Yeah, and no. I've never had somebody, you know, I've never had anybody walk up and say, Man, we didn't enjoy that show. I mean, it's it's a big time. And uh they didn't, you know, they didn't say, Well, you didn't you didn't play that chord just right on the guitar. I make fucking up part of the show. <laughs> and so, it, it, you know, you,
0: you're just like, yes, that's what you expected. Well, well, I tried to explain. we got a kid that, uh, God, I just love him so much. And you might have even met him the night that we were with you in Nashville. But his name is Miles G. And he's yeah. a tw- he's a 12-year-old little boy. Uh, we found him, I think last summer sometime he had posted some videos from his middle school talent show and it was him singing Waylon Jennings way more blues and kids were picking on him. Like his little kid and he killed it. Like he was a little prodigy. You could tell if you knew what you were listening to. And we found him, we asked him to come to Nashville and play on our, our live Oak show. Just come hang out and surprise everybody. Well, this past weekend, he got to go on stage with Billy Strings at mm-hmm. Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. And yeah. he was texting me before it happened. And he was telling me how nervous and everything he was and, and all this kind of shit. And I was like, dude, you got to realize you could mess up so bad right now. You could forget how to play the song and everybody's going to sing along with you. You could forget a word. Everybody's going to sing along with you. They're going to love you regardless. They came here to see Billy. This is an extension of Billy. They're going to do their best to enjoy it. Nobody is sitting there thinking, oh, I can't wait for this kid to mess up so I can belittle him or I can holler at him or whatever. And it's the same thing with, like, going to your show. Like, if you do something real, real stupid or anybody something real, real stupid, yeah, you're going to get a fucking reaction. But when somebody pays enough or they like you enough to pay a ticket price to come see you, they're not rooting for you to fail. They're rooting for right. the best night that they've ever had watching a comedian. So, like, even when you mess up, they they probably don't give a shit. They're probably like, yeah. oh, that's Chad being Chad. Like, yeah. Which goes funny. back,
1: which goes back to that original point. If you if you're authentic and you're genuine and you're really yourself, you can mess up because you should, you know, you should build messing up into your repertoire. Um yeah. I mean, dudes are the worst on that, right? Because guys are the worst. Like, they beat themselves up thinking, oh, I failed, or I didn't do this right, you know, or I didn't accomplish this. It's like, man, screw all that stuff. Uh, you just be you. And and the beauty of it is you might be a clay pot or a cracked vessel, but that's where the light shines through, man. Yeah. And and that's, that's the kind of thing that I think people want to see. They want to see the vulnerability. And if you can have that vulnerability and screw up, and still have the confidence to keep rocking and rolling, uh, people go, hey, if he can do that, I can do that too. And so for me, that's almost like a ministry, right? I mean, that's yep. that's an encouraging thing. And uh, Rudyard Kipling's great poem uh, is called If, where he says, you know, you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same because, because you know, winning and losing are kind of next-door neighbors, right? Right. Uh, sometimes you win when you shouldn't have sometimes you lose when you shouldn't have and both of those things will lie to you losing will tell you you're a loser and you're not winning will tell you that you're you know successful and you can't fail and that's not true either so both of those things are imposters and, and to the degree that you can just handle success and failure because I you know my buddy Gary Chapman there in Nashville uh he's told me he told me years ago he said dude he said um I mean he used to he used to uh, ho- he was the host of Nashville. Now he was married to Amy Grant. He was an incredible Christian songwriter. The dude was on top, man. And, uh, he said, but if, if you ever hit rock bottom, if you'll look around, he said, you'll see my name scribbled on the wall three or four times. Cause I've been down there a yep. bunch and you know, then you just keep coming right back. And there's something to be said for that.
0: I think you have to, I, I'm a person who does not learn a lesson the easy way. I have to <laughs> learn things the hard way. I wish I wasn't like that. Yeah. But if I learned something the hard way, I'd never do it again.
1: Yeah.
0: Like when I, when I was a kid and I was like 21, 22, uh, really the whole fucking block between 18 to 22, I was a piece of shit. Like (laughs) I've done two different stints to where one was a 60 day, uh, thing at a detention center. One was a 90 day at a detention center, but it was all in that block. And somewhere along the lines of the the second stint of 90 days, I realized I didn't want to live this way. I, I didn't. Like, I had to be at the very fucking bottom. There's a story that I absolutely love. It's called uh, – it's about the donkey and the whale. You ever heard this story? It's yeah. Kind of, it's kind of biblical. Yeah. But I love that story, and I heard it the second time I was in there, and I realized, like, everything that you just said, winning, losing, all that kind of stuff, It's really about perspective. It, you only really lose if you don't learn something like, or yeah. even with winning, winning's not good for some people. We got a lot of people on TikTok and Instagram or whatever. They have a false sense of celebrity to where they think that they just matter so much to this world. And they're so important and they're so special. And then you have somebody, I'm just going to use our buddy, Bobby Pinson, for instance, that if yeah. you ran into Bobby and you didn't know who he was or what he did, you would be like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Like, who, 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 who is this guy? Because he, he knows that he's a special songwriter, but if you look at his social media or whatever, he doesn't give two shits.
1: Not a damn. And That's exactly you, right. When
0: you, we live in a world where it's all about numbers and everything else. You kind of forget that like that shit really doesn't define you. I know yeah. num- a number on a following list. Doesn't mean I'm good or bad at this shit. I've got so pissy and so mad probably the past four or five months with the podcast. Not not because we're doing bad or anything like that. It's like everybody thinks that they can do what I do. Everybody mm. now is starting a fucking podcast. And I'm not <laughs> saying that all of them are bad. I'm not. But for the majority of them, you've got people getting on here doing this shit that they're talking about the ice cream they ate that day or the person they fucked last night or whatever. and they're <laughs> And they're not putting anything good into the world like they're just putting out just their fucking bullshit and some people like that some people want to hear that but for the majority of people i'd rather listen to someone like you or someone like rogan or fucking roseanne or anybody like that to where i'm being entertained but i'm also learning i'm also figuring out that there's other ways to live there's other perspectives life and I've, I've had to tell myself, it's like, look, they're going to weed themselves out. You worked in radio for a reason. People like what you do. You got to let the dumbasses fall off. And that's it. Don't get mad just because somebody's trying to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, dude, that's, it, it's a hard lesson to learn. But once you do, then you get comfortable like we are with how we do things. I, I think there's just such a fucking, I don't even know the words, just the comfortability with it. To
1: where I feel yep. like I could do fucking anything now. Yeah, I. Uh, you're right. I. I've always said I want to make a point. Like even if I'm doing comedy, I want to make a point. Give you something to hang your hat on. Right. Uh, you walk away going, okay. I've never thought about that from that perspective. I've always respected, you know, people like my, like you know, Mike Rowe. I, I my, I, you know, I. My, I won't say Mike's a friend, like you know, if we get together, we've had we have drink a drink together if we run into yeah. each other or something like that. Um, but I've always respected a guy like Mike Rowe, and there's a, others I could list off because if you listen to those guys, they don't look at a circumstance or a, or a situation the way the average person does. Yeah, it, it's like they kind of turn the diamond and look at it from another angle. They they kind of figure out how to come in the back door angle on on something. You go, damn, I. I didn't think about it like that. And I always respect people who do that because I know they've really critically thought about something. So for me, you know, I'm a big person, I'm a big, big believer in critical thinking and 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 analyzing something instead of just spouting off. And trust me, I do spout off a lot without thinking. And I mean, I've got a real foot shaped mouth. My foot goes right in it real easy.
0: I got the same fucking disease.
1: I mean, I'm unapologetic about it. Yeah, I ain't going to apologize for shit cuz if I ever started doing that, I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life doing it. Woo. But but you know, for me, critical thinking starts with this question. If I look at something and I form an opinion, the first thing I ask myself is how am I wrong on this? How am I wrong? And then I start unpacking what I'm thinking and and try to poke holes in it. And if I could poke holes in it, then I, you know, I realized I wasn't thinking right. And, and a lot of times I'm trying to be better about that, which goes back to being deliberate. Right. And, you know, when, uh, when I, young when I was younger, I liked to hunt, I liked to fish. And, uh, I went, uh, deer hunting. One time I was using a black powder, uh, rifle and, um, it was in the snow and the black powder. It didn't fire. I, I drew, drew down on a, on a, I had a, a deer lined up, and I went to shoot the thing, and it just didn't go off. So I got in the truck, and it was snowing, man, and I, I was driving down the road, and I had put the the rifle there in the, you know, the barrel of it down in the floorboard, and I realized I'd never cleared the ball out of that rifle. And so as I was taking that rifle up, and I was bringing it across to stick it out the window because I was just going to fire it down into the snowbank there in the ditch, that fucker went off right by Ooh. my face. And uh, I remember... Once I realized I was still alive, uh, the thought that came to my head was, I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I, I'm never going to do that again. And that goes back to your point a second ago about how you learn by failing. You learn oh, by falling. Yeah. And you do some dumb stuff, and if you survive through it, then hopefully you learn something from it. Uh, and, and actually, that's actually the biblical definition of the word repentance. When I repent of something, I change my mind. I'm not going to do that anymore. Like, yeah. I, if that ain't good for me. I don't want to do that anymore. And so I think that's kind of where we are as men, specifically, because I always say that women are crazy and men are stupid. And it's it's sometimes it's real hard to teach us anything. Oh, dude. And the only way we get taught is by really screwing up, you know, Yeah, I, and getting our ass handed to us.
0: Yeah, happened to me fucking last week. <laughs> I am super fucking bad about not thinking before I do, yeah. especially when I drink, especially when I drink. I'm so accustomed to living a life to where I don't ask anything before I do it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And I did something a little stupid last week that I, knowing me, I knew it was innocent. I know it was nothing bad, nothing that would just be the worst thing ever. But still, not something you should do if you're in a relationship. Right. And I had to sit there and I had to think about it after the fact. When I was all in my feels and upset and shit, I was like, you did this to yourself. Yeah. Like, you're, you're a fucking idiot. Like, why would you do this? And the more I sat there and thought about it, the more I dove into it, the more I tried to learn from it. But like we we are we are stupid stupid cavemen we still have monkey brains and <laughs> w- if we don't fucking learn by fire burning ourselves a little bit we never we never learn I'm yeah. I so guilty of it, dude.
1: I got a buddy of mine, Reno Collier. He's a he's a comedian. He lives down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and he was he used to open for the Blue Collar Tour, you know, with Foxworthy and Cable Guy and those guys. And he was actually on the second coming of the of the blue collar comedy tour, and super funny guy. He and I have toured together, and he's got a bit about when they sent the test rockets. NASA sent rockets up into space, and they would put them put monkeys in there. And he said they put those monkeys in those little flight suits. And he said I always found it fascinating that they put a monkey on the helmet, I put a put a helmet on the monkey. He said because like if the monkey hits his head, what's he gonna become? More monkey. Like, like, he can't be any more, he can't be any more monkey than he already is. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you can't make him stupider. And so I kind of look at that, like us, like we're just a bunch of trained baboons, man. We're just one step shy of throwing shit. And and you know, that's kind of, we'd probably do that if we could get away with it, not getting too much trouble, but man, I, men are stupid. I mean, we get horny, our IQ drops. You know, we tend to define our lives by our women and our work. You know, well, hell, that's something we've already been talking about. Yeah. And it, and if we and if we fail in those two areas, you know, we don't we're not good with women or we're not good with our work. You know, then you start wanting to shoot yourself because you you don't have any sense of self worth, and that's just a stupid way to go through life, man. Uh, but that's how men are wired. Testosterone, bro. Testosterone has us so fucked up. Like I went to the doctor. Uh, back in January, my doctor gives me these, uh, pellets, the testosterone pellets, he puts them in my ass, you know, gives me a little incision, man, last year I was feeling so bad and I used to give myself testosterone shots. They just didn't work. And so sometimes it just doesn't adhere to your blood, you know? And so I asked him, I said, you think the pellets would do any different? He's like, well, let's give them a shot. Bro, three days later, it was like I was 17 years old again. Yeah. I was I mean, if I saw, if I saw lightning strike in the distance and the wind blew and somebody was standing still or walking slow, I was gonna hump their leg, bro. I couldn't even walk past a knot in a tree without wanting to fuck it. So so that testosterone was through the roof. But then the end of January, when I went to see him to get a reload on that, I did a blood test. My testosterone was high and my estrogen, which is the female hormone, yeah. was high. So I was a I was a mess, dude. You were a crazy like I was bitch. in a yeah. Oh, dude. All, yeah. all I wanted to do, I wanted to, I wanted to punch somebody in the face and then nest and cry. Like that. Like God, I was a mess, dude. Goddamn, we're and the same so, person. <laughs> and I mean, just I was an emotional wreck. And that testosterone is something that's made men, uh, for thousands of years of human history, makes us leave the cave, go out and club something over the head and drag it back, and we either cook it and eat it or marry it. Right. Yeah. And so, um. But then the older we get, the testosterone starts to drop and we don't know who we are. And we're doing everything to try to prop ourselves up. You know, I got a bit about old dudes taking Viagra. I'm like, we we treat our dick like Muhammad Ali, like like he done been beat up for 50 years. But we yeah. keep bringing him out of retirement. Leave that, leave that motherfucker you know, he, alone.
0: Yeah.
1: He just wants to sit there on that soft little bed of nuts, man, yeah. and, and just hunker down like a button in a fur coat. But we got to keep taking those blue pills and bringing him out so we can slap him around a little bit more. And it's like at some point in time, uh, you, you got to just grow old gracefully. But that's just, again, that's just the, one of those things that men are stupid, man. We do the craziest stuff and, and we just run in. But again, the beauty of it is that's what makes men, men. I mean, if it wasn't, you know, they call that toxic masculinity, which I've always said, if it's masculine, if it's true masculinity, it's not toxic. And yeah. if it's toxic, it's not true masculinity. But, you know, testosterone Is that is that hormone that is, um, you know, it's uh, it's the reason we got eight billion people on the planet. Because if it was left up to estrogen, there'd only be like seventeen hundred.
0: Because
1: because women ain't going women ain't going to come after you. Um, Well, not even that. And
0: murder each other. If that's all they would do, can
1: you imagine? Can you imagine women on testosterone? I mean, which uh, the older women get, their testosterone you know starts to get a little bit higher, and I know that because they get horny and they never have been in their entire life. It's so, uh, uh, it's weird. Ours gets lower. Theirs gets higher. You know, we hit a sexual prime around 19, 20 years old. They hit theirs around 40, 42. It doesn't match up, bro. It it just doesn't match up. And here we are. <clears throat> but I don't know. You know, I love, I I love talking about men and women. You know, now you got dudes trying to breastfeed babies and stuff. I mean, we live in a weird ass world. You know, these yeah, dudes that are, these dudes that are, you know, getting tits and, tucking their dick, and and I'm like, I, and it's become a trend, right? I don't think these people well, are really it's, dealing it's with be, it.
0: I don't think it is either. i I read something yesterday. It was one of the fucking coolest things I shared. I You know what? I fucking might have stole it off your page, to be honest with you, or it's a page <laughs> like yours, and it was a girl, and she was dressed like a tomboy in one picture, and then she was a bad bitch in another picture, like all grown up. Like one yeah. of us with her being 12 years old, one of us being in her 20s and hot as hell. And the whole thing, I'm going to paraphrase the shit out of it, but it was like, hey, when I was a kid, I used to dress like a boy. I used to love doing boy stuff because I had an older brother. And all I ever wanted to do was impress my brother. And if, that, if, if I would have lived in the world that we live in now, my parents would have thought I was trying to be a boy. It wasn't that I yeah. was trying to be a boy. I was trying to be like my brother. And yeah. if that would have happened, I wouldn't have tits now, whatever. I got to grow into a woman. And I think we live in such a fucked up place to where these <laughs> you're you can't make a fucking decision like that as a kid anyway. Like there's no. no way your brain, I didn't know who the fuck I really wanted to be till I was damn near 30 years old. I'm 36 Thanks. now and getting to do what I, I want now. But before that, I was fucking stupid. I I was yeah. just living. I wasn't I was existing. I wasn't living. And yeah, now, I saw I was,
1: you're woo. exactly right, dude. You're exactly right. I saw somebody that tweeted yesterday they're talking about, you know, forgiveness of college loans and stuff like that. And they were like, well, you know, a lot of people haven't figured out their career path yet. And and somebody tweeted and said, well, you know, you can't expect somebody to know everything they're supposed to know about their career path as soon as they graduate college. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You're saying that eight-year-olds can cut their dicks off or take hormone blockers or, or, you know, puberty blockers. And and (laughs) you, uh, and you talking about college kids not knowing what their career is and you think people are going to start picking their sex um this it's a weird world we're living in dude and you know you got these celebrities out there now they're so damn privileged and so damn blessed and so damn used to having a red carpet rolled out for them and never hearing the word no that they're like they got they got guilty having so much uh, privilege and so much blessing in their life that they've had to come up and manufacture some kind of oppression. And that's why you got these celebrities that got like three and four kids that are dealing with transgenderism or whatever they're calling it. And I'm like, it's just so you guys can have something that people can feel sorry for you about.
0: It's just an accessory piece to them. I don't know Mm -hmm. why the rest of the world doesn't get these people out there. They don't even live in the same fucking world as us. They don't have these same fucking problems with us. When you can go to work for a couple days out of the fucking month and walk away with tens of millions of dollars, you don't Mm -hmm. live in the same reality that I live. So when you start seeing all these other people and they're like, oh, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that, and they pick a fucking something to get behind, a cause to get behind. They go over fucking bored with it. And the way that yep. the people I always say what's fucking ruining all of us is the overeducated single middle aged white woman. They're they're <laughs> the ones that are ruining everything for us because they're the ones that are the majority screaming, you know, I I don't think either one of us are we're not We're not against homosexuals. We're not against lesbians. We're not against people of other color. We want everybody to just respect each other and live their own lives. Just don't rub it in my fucking face. Like, I don't care what you do. Just don't tell me I have to believe what you believe in. And all these overeducated white women that are just raised in a fucking weird place, they're the ones that are out there screaming Black Lives Matter. They're the ones out there pushing kids to make their mind up at fucking 10 years old of what they want to be, a boy or a girl. I don't know why they're the ones that's trying to indoctrinate us with all these beliefs when nobody asked for it in the first fucking place.
1: No, I, uh, I can remember first time I was ever around one of those me too rallies where all those women were wearing those vagina hats, you know? Yeah. That was, that was a big deal until they gave woman of the year to Bruce Jenner. And then those girls snatched those hats off and were like, screw it. We've lost. Um, and, but I, they, I was in grand junction, Colorado. The
0: they did. They really they, did. They caused all that shit to themselves.
1: Yeah, I went out to – I was having breakfast with my crew, Grand Junction, Colorado, the morning after a show, and I went out, uh, and they were having a Me Too rally out there on the street. So I walked around with them for a little bit and just trying to listen to what their story was. And all I know is they were just pissed off, man. They were pissed at me. They didn't even know me. but They were mad just because I was a man, right? <laughs> so I'm like, you you girls ain't thinking straight. Like, I, I get that you have all been through something, in some kind of um you know maybe you've been victimized in some kind of way, but you know we all have and and it's Absolutely. sort of like it's like it's, it's these people now saying, we're supposed to get reparations because of what our ancestors went through. I mean that's the biggest pile of horse shit I've ever heard in my life. Everybody's wanting to manufacture this oppression, and they are wanting to get out yeah. there, raise their fist in the air, and shout it out and I'm like, man, I spent almost you know fifteen years in third world countries. You know, places like West Africa, Nigeria, Southeast Asia. I mean, I, I was all over the world for a while. And, like, I've seen the way these people live. And I'm like, you are blessed to live in this country. There ain't a it. single one of us that's truly oppressed. I mean, yeah, there's some people out there that have been through some bad shit. Yeah. But, like,
0: you but know. Who has, but who, here's my thing with that. Who the fuck has it? Yeah. A lot of these people are trying to say that their trauma or their rough upbringing or whatever was rougher or more traumatic than yours. You, you can't compare traumas. If somebody has been through a traumatic experience in their life, regardless of what it is, it is at the same level as another person's traumatic experience. It's had the same effect on their lives. And all these right. people are now screaming, oh, my traumatic experience was way worse than yours, so we're going to make a big deal out of mine. Now, what, 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 what would be the case if you put two in a ring together? If you put somebody who's battling body dysmorphia and somebody who's battling body identity, like if they're a yeah. boy or a girl. Now, who if they're head to head and they're arguing, who's more who's been through more shit than the other one? Yeah. You you can't tell, there's no way to tell. It's apples and oranges. But more than likely, somebody is going to say, "Oh, this is a more important cause. This is yeah. more like you should be more passionate about this than this." And everybody's passionate about their own shit. Everybody's trying to fix their traumas. Like I I've got my own shit. You've got your own shit. Yeah. But we're not out there trying to take our burden and place it on somebody else like the rest of the world's doing.
1: Yeah, it's like the old saying, uh, you know, kids are like farts. You only love your own. No uh, shit. You know, and and it's like uh you everybody's gone through something. And everybody wants to think that theirs is the most important thing out there when the rest of the people, it's like the old George Carlin bit talking about, you know, my stuff is stuff and your shit is shit. So if I come over to your house, I bring my stuff. I got to move your shit out of the way to make room for my stuff. And so I'm more focused on my stuff and, you know, people these days, well, it's always been true. Actually, it's always been true. A lot of times people don't want their problems fixed. They want their problems understood. They want somebody to come pat their bobo, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you took their problems away, they would lose their identity. They have built that identity for so many years by telling you their fucking problem that if you took that away, they wouldn't have anything to talk about. That's why these people manufacture this oppression and this victimhood and it diminishes real oppression it diminishes real victimhood because there are some people out there who've been through some real shit but suddenly if everybody is elevating their problem to the point of victimhood and it's like okay well it's just like it's just like calling everybody a racist well that diminishes real racism that does exist out there in the world it, it and if it, it just becomes white noise at that point yeah so i just tell people i said learn to define yourself by something other than your problems because well,
0: well, think about that's like
1: that's that's the easy way out.
0: Absolutely. Everybody's trying to play victim. Think about it like this. I like to rationalize shit and I like to make stuff to where I'm already a fucking asshole and I already <laughs> am a cynic. So, I have to sometimes take a look back and at a situation that I'm about to go through and be like, am I being an asshole here, a cynic, or am I just not understanding? Is it do yeah. I need to try to see the other side of this argument? Here's my biggest thing with with any of these people that want to say that they're victims. Do you hear people who suffer through the Holocaust? Are people whose f- dads, moms, whatever, suffer through the Holocaust or their family? Do you still hear them bitching about the biggest tragedy that has ever happened to mankind pretty much? That as far mm-hmm. as like is what's in relatively close years to us. You don't hear. You don't hear these men and women constantly do it. You don't have them pushing movies or agendas down our throat. And if they did, honestly, it would be acceptable because of what came along with it, like the horrors that came along with the Holocaust. If you don't see real victims playing the victim card, why the fuck are you trying to play a victim just because you're confused about your life?
1: Yeah, and and that's that's a good point. I guess so it's a good point because like we were saying earlier, if you learn from your failures or the the things that have happened to you in your life, people who you can usually tell the people who have really been through some stuff because they didn't let that define them. Yeah. Um, because, because honestly, if you really went through it, you don't want to relive it every damn day. No. You know, it's not something you want to keep bringing up to the surface. Like you, you, you know, I always talk about people, people that want to heal. You know, if you, if, if I cut my arm, if I got a wound here, if I've got a gash and I don't clean it and address it and, you know, if it needs stitches or whatever, I don't do any of that. If I just put a bandage over it without really taking care of it. And every day I just take that bandage off and show it to you, put the bandage, same dirty bandage back on there. And the next day I take it off, show it to you, put the same shit. After a while, it's going to get gangrene. uh, It's going to rot. I might, lose every, I might lose everything. It's going to get infected. And that's kind of what we're doing with our psyche. That's what we're doing with our emotions. We want to just keep pulling the bandage off and showing people where we've been hurt. If you've really come through something and, and you've gotten some healing out of that and that, that wound gets healed, I mean, yeah, you've got a scar, but the scar is not as gross as the wound. Like like yeah. I can show you right here where they had to put my arm back together. I got a little scar right there and uh, it doesn't represent the major surgery that I had on my arm, Yeah, but- but again, the scar is there. But I don't walk around going, "Hey, look at my scar! Look at my scar! Look at my scar!" And that's what people are doing with their emotions, and it's 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 really not healthy.
0: Yeah, it's not. I don't know whatever. The, I don't know what they think's ever going to come out of it. Uh, yeah, it, it it blows my mind. It's even like I think people don't know the difference in equality and supremacy. I mm. don't. I think there's a lot of people that don't want to be equal. I want. I think they want to be superior. Because that's what they're telling themselves is, oh, my shit's more important than somebody else's or whatever. And they don't realize, like, if I treat your shit more important than I treat my shit, that's me saying that you're more important than me. You're superior to me. Same thing with the fucking showing the gash every day, dude. Like, <laughs> no way. Some people want to heal. So, some people want there to be a scar, not a wound. Yeah, You know? Yeah. You're, me and you were talking about, hey, Scars are cool. What was that old thing? Chicks dig scars or whatever? Yeah. Like, we want to heal. I don't want you to see my wound or me bleeding or busted open. I want you to see where I fixed myself. And there's not enough fucking people. They want to, oh, look. Look at my fucking arm. Like you said, it's stupid. It's it's so unhealthy. And you're never going to get over your shit. If you keep bringing it up every day, you're the one making yourself relive it but you want to blame the rest of the world for your problems. You're the one not fixing your issues.
1: Yeah, that's true. And and I don't want to get into wound comparisons, right? I don't yeah. I don't want to because everybody's it, it, dudes dudes are the worst about that. They always have to one up each other. Okay. Oh, well, I hear you, but I'm gonna tell you a story. I hear but let me tell you what happened to me. <laughs> and it's like, "Man, just shut up." I and and that's and, and don't get me wrong. You should have a story and you should be able to tell your story. Uh, but it should be for the purpose, I believe, of of, of, of a redemptive story. Like, Absolutely. it's how I won. It's how I came out of this thing, and I was victorious through it, not how I'm still wallowing around in it and, you know, feeling sorry for myself. That's, that's uh, I go back to where we started this conversation. That's why my girlfriend, she says the most confident – she said the most attractive thing about you is, is you're confident, you know? And because, um, you know, sometimes I might gain 15, 20 pounds extra, and I – my belly sticks out further than my dick does, and 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 I'm like, you know, you're not feeling so good about myself sometimes. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, don't get like that. Your most attractive quality is your confidence, and um and man, if dudes can learn that, God, we'd have it made, bro. Uh,
0: I live that every fucking day. So mm-hmm. growing up, I was ex- in extremely good shape. By the time I had my daughter at 24, I blew the fuck up. I got as big as like 330. And my, yeah, my happy weight now is somewhere between like 215 and 230. I, yep. If I fluctuate just that, I'm fucking happy. Right now, I'm probably closer to like 240. But like, I get so down on my fucking self. And luckily, I got people in my life, especially my old lady, to where she's like, I promise you, dumbass, you look good. I don't know what the fuck you're worried about. <laughs> like, you look fucking fine. But to me, it's like, damn, I just gained that 100 pounds back. Like, like every fucking time. But I don't go on social media needing validation from everybody else or everybody to tell me, oh, you look fine. You gained a couple pounds. Who gives a fuck? You know, I've I've got to get it in my head to where I'm fine with that. I feel like there's too many other people that need everybody else to tell them you're okay. Like, when, when did it stop being to where our loved ones and ourselves actually mattered? And to where we expect the rest of the world to baby us, to coddle us, to teach us, oh, self acceptance. You can't learn self acceptance unless you fucking have self acceptance.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, uh, hang on. That's I got sneeze. Little, that's
0: a good little sneeze.
1: Woo! That's the way that them Nashville allergies are getting well, me. You ain't fucking on uh, the, um, uh, the. You know, like I said, I'm 51 years old now. I go to the gym. I work out, or I, I work out here at home. And, and I've realized like, I'm not interested so much in, in getting that, you know, that V back or the abs or anything like that. I'm at that stage in life where I want to have some muscle that carries me through my eighties, you know, that I, that I got a little something that gives me a little structure back that I, that I'm not going to be walking around on a walker in the next, you know, 15 to 20 years.
0: I just want to be healthy and make it to 80, you know?
1: Exactly. And I, bro, and you and I have abused ourselves. I mean. I mean, is we've we've poured all kind of crap in our bodies, from the food to the alcohol to everything else. I mean, I've I've done it all, and yeah. so now you get older, you get a little bit perspective on that, and it's like, no, I I really kind of want to watch my. You know, my kids have kids, and yeah. and be a grandfather, and and things like that. It's it's weird how your values do change. And, and again, the older you get, you get a bigger perspective. Everybody knows that. When you're young, you know, I always talk about a You know, being a laser, a laser can be used to heal. It can be used to harm. And when you're younger, if you're not careful, you know, your 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 vision on the world, that laser focus can can hurt. It can it can hurt things. You can do more damage. Uh, than good and the older you get hopefully we start using we stay laser focused but we're using it to heal more than we are to harm because we've got a wider field of vision and a bigger perspective so i don't know I, I i hope that's some wisdom you know as you get older and you know i tell people all the time i said i used to be the most impatient person mm-hmm. just the most impatient like i i would just get was a nervous wreck over some shit the older i get dude i just kind of kick back and i'm like yeah we'll, we'll just see how it works out
0: I, you know, let we'll how it goes. I, I battle that a lot, uh, especially, and it might be different for you, if, if I'm doing a public show, whether it be Live Oak, Macon, Alabama, wherever, I get the most anxious then. And those are literally the shows that I don't have to do nearly as much work as I do when I'm sitting here with you or mm-hmm. when I'm recording with other people like in-house. I don't know why I get so nervous and I get so impatient. And I'm thinking literally every bad thought in my head about what could go wrong, what might go wrong. If people are going to show up all this bullshit and I've done so much better about it lately because I just started realizing, man, it's not the end of the world if they don't like if somebody doesn't show up, if something does go wrong, I hope the people that are paying me attention have as much grace as what I try to show the rest of the world. Like, if yeah. I fuck up and I do something wrong, because there's gonna, there's no doubt in my mind with this fucking mouth that I got. I said last <laughs> night on a show that I wish I could have interviewed Hitler just to see like his train of thought, just to see why he thought what he thought. And I was like, yeah. somebody eventually is gonna clip me out, take me the wrong way, and they're gonna try to make a bigger deal out of whatever the fuck it is. But like, I don't know why I get nervous about that other stuff because people, people ought to know you're going to fail. People ought to know you're going to make a mistake. And I really don't want the kind of people that expect me to be perfect. Listening to me or keeping up with me. Like if you want perfect, go to one of these fucking TikTok people or whatever that don't do anything besides show you the best days of their life. Like if that's what you want, you go right the fuck ahead, but that's not me.
1: Yeah. That's the truth. I've always been very outspoken about depression yeah. Uh, anxiety and stress. Um, I've put it on my platforms. Anybody that wants to see it, they can get on a Facebook deal and they can, they can get up in the search block and do Chad Prather depression. And there'll probably be a handful of videos that'll pop up with me talking about it because I've battled that demon. I've battled that, that thing, and I said, you know, men, especially, you know, I come, I come from, uh, you know, I've been very heavily a part of the Western world and the Western lifestyle. You know, I still consider myself a cowboy, even though these days I don't really do cowboy shit anymore, but I come from that. And, you know, most I got right now is I ain't a cowboy. I'm a cattleman now. I got bucking bulls. I don't do anything. I don't work shit, but run my mouth. And um, I could still do it, though. If I needed to do it, I could still do it. But I said, you know, the the, the guys that are the worst. Is is those cowboys. Those cowboys are out there. They don't ever want to admit that they're depressed or that they got any weakness or anything like that. And I was like, well, fuck that. I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. If I'm feeling low, I'm gonna tell you because and I got a guy, I got a buddy of mine, uh, Dave Warner, he was a Marine, is a Marine. I don't think you can say I think they're always yeah, a Marine. I don't think you're
0: ever supposed to. I make the mistake all the yeah. time, but I don't think yeah. ever I don't think they're ever not one.
1: Right. Yeah. And he uh he was um uh, he was in uh, Fallujah. And saw some shit, came back, and one day decided that he was going to kill himself. And um, he, he put the gun to his head, and it misfired. I mean, it clicked, but the bullet didn't go off. And so um, he picked up his phone to, to text his wife and call his wife because it was like, you know, couldn't believe that had happened. And when he pulls it up, it was open to Facebook. And there was this dude in a cowboy hat sitting in his truck talking about your self-worth and your value, yeah. and it was me. And so he reached out to me, and and uh, I have that bullet. is is downstairs in a little box. And uh, you can see the dimple on the back of it where the firing pin hit the back of the bullet and didn't go off. And um, they um, – I mean, that's, that's a miraculous deal, right, because – you never know when just being vulnerable and real about your own weakness is going to be a salvation for other people. And so, again, back to what we were saying earlier, I, I don't mind people seeing my failings. Yeah, uh, I, I don't mind people seeing my flaws. Um, it, it's I've screwed up, dude. I've been married twice. I've been divorced twice. You know, the mother of my children, we get along great. Uh, they're all grown now. All four of my kids are smart, successful. They're doing their thing, rocking and rolling. And I look at that, and it brings me so much joy to know that in spite of us being monumental fuck-ups, that we've managed to raise some kids with some values uh, in spite of ourselves. And, you know, you just look at it, and you go, God, I've screwed up so many times that, but I managed to still get some stuff right. And the stuff I got right were the things that mattered. And so I try to I try to encourage men, especially, I'm like, just Keep your head down. Keep rocking and rolling, dude. Uh, nobody's expecting you to, you know, invent the wheel or fire or anything else. You just be you. You you reinvent yourself day in and day out. And I promise you that's going to be as miraculous as anything this world needs.
0: Well, that's what saved my life. So I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about it or if we talked about on the first episode. I tried to commit suicide in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what depression was. Where I'm from, South Georgia. You just didn't talk about it. Like in back then, it just wasn't anything that you talked about. And I didn't understand why even like in high school and shit that every time I walked into a room, I thought everybody was talking about me negatively. And, mm-hmm. and still to this day, I have those, those bouts to where I think everyone thinks negatively of me. And that's not the case. Everybody's too wrapped up in their own shit. to usually worry about your shit. Like, yeah, they, they don't care. And probably around 2016, I had decided that I was tired of having this monkey on my back. People in my hometown already knew what had happened. Uh, I'm only here because I'm a fucking moron. Uh, I thought that <laughs> you would die if you took IV, uh, IV 800 milligrams and you took a whole lot of them. My liver is just <laughs> probably fucked forever, but like, you don't die. And I remember laying in, the hospital bed unconscious, but somehow I could still hear everything going on around me. And I remember there was a a preacher that was there and he was telling me how his wife had found him on the floor. Like he had lost all their money gambling in Las Vegas before he became a preacher and all this kind of shit and everything. And I had lived with that for like six or seven years. I decided to go to social media because I just got so tired of people that I thought were talking about it still. That every time they saw me, they'd be like, "Oh, there's that crazy guy who tried to kill himself." And I'd already done a lot of like self therapy to where I figured out my what my triggers were. I figured out how to do things that when I got into a funk to get myself out of it and all kind of shit. And I was like, you know what? The good Lord allowed me to go through this. I think this is my purpose. I think yeah. that what I'm supposed to do in one way or another is to let people know that. It's okay not to be okay. That if you're feeling a certain type of way, the the people that know that they're feeling a certain type of way and reach out for help, it's okay. Like, you should do that. I was scared to death when I posted it, Chad. I'm talking about scared to fucking death when I posted this video because I was like, everybody's going to think I'm insane. Everybody's going to think I'm worse off than what I actually was. And I got nothing but love. I got nothing Mm -hmm. but people messaging me telling me they had been through the same shit. And all kind of stuff. And once that monkey got off my back, that's all I focused on moving forward Ended up getting the job that I dreamed of in radio, everything moving forward to where I'm at now. And I think that people like me and you that are open with stuff like that, regardless, a lot of people's looking for their purpose in life. But what if you are your purpose? What if everything yeah. you've been through has led to the life that you live and you're supposed to be doing the best with the tools you were given? And that, that's what I try to do to where, man, a lot of people need to know. Even if you're talking about getting testosterone earlier, yeah. like men need to know it's okay to fucking go do that. I right. I, I we, we partner with a, a clinic here called Your Choice Healthcare, and they not only take care of all my Adderall needs, which I very much appreciate because I've yep. got way better at this job since I started doing that, but they check me for everything. My testosterone was low the first time I went in there. And they gave me some, and I felt like a fucking new person. There, there yeah. there's not enough men out there to know that, Hey, I know we were brought up to rub dirt on it. If it hurt to not cry and all this other kind of shit, but would you rather keep going with that old stereotype of that shit, or would you rather live a long, happy life and be able to communicate with your partner, being able to talk to your right. buddies, to be able to save somebody's life by just telling them that you're there for them. All right We. I think people opening up like you like you were just were talking about your buddy and some of the stuff you've been through, man, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And unless yeah. we do everything else that we've talked about in this episode, we're not entertaining. It's almost where you have to entertain people to where they listen to you, to where mm-hmm. you entertain them to a point to where they're going to watch whatever you post, listen to whatever you talk about. And if we don't do all that excess, it doesn't get us to our point. Right. And so like, I I just I love the fact that you you do the mental health stuff. That is the most yeah. important thing to me.
1: Yeah, and it always came natural to me to do that to just be able to say cuz it made me stronger. Yeah. Admitting that I was weak, it made me stronger and and I don't wallow in it. I don't. Um it, well, you're taking I, the
0: taboo out of it. You're you're yeah. taking the uncomfortability out of it.
1: Yeah, cuz unlike the other folks we were talking about earlier, I'm I wasn't I'm not victimized by it. Yeah. You know, I'm not victimized. I'm not defining myself by the weakness. I'm just saying, hey, you, you, you get to that point. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you lose it all, and the real man is the person who says, you know what? Like again, back to Rudyard Kipling, he said, you know, when you can, when you can bend to build it all back again with worn-out tools, you know, you know, you, you, have already built something that collapsed, and, and you just took what you had and rebuilt again. That's the essence to me. Of masculinity or at least a masculine trait, um, is being a pull yourself out. But I mean, we got we got emasculated men out there that uh, hey god, we've just grown a generation of pussies, quite honestly. They don't,
0: they don't think it's okay to be a man anymore. Right. There's there was a woman, it was fucking really funny to me. I'll try to find a video and send it to you when we get off here. Uh there's a woman who is a super liberal feminist. And she would, only, she was attracted to men. Like she told the whole TikTok story. It took like five minutes, but she tells this whole story, how she'd only dated women because of how bad she hated men because she thought they were all toxic and every fucking thing. Right. And then she had had her, her she was tired of women. Imagine that a woman who's not into women getting tired of dealing with their shit too. Uh, and it was where she decided <laughs> to go on a date with a man. And she said, within the first hour, he opened the car door for him. He offered to pick her up from her house to start off with. He was nice to her. He bought her dinner. He did all these things that are not what define a man. But if you're a good dude, you usually do those things. You usually are. Women need a provider. They need a protector. And I don't yeah. mean provider as in money went, Lenny's for any of y'all fucking make y'all money. That's what I'm talking about. Just a provider <laughs> towards you. And this girl goes on to tell, she's like, by the time we got done with our first date, I couldn't wait to go on another one. And I think she yeah. says in there, they were like, have been dating for almost six months to a year now. And she had to go through the process of figuring out toxic masculinity. is isn't a thing. You have right. toxic people some just happen to be a male but there are toxic women toxic mac- masculinity in my mind is just a man being a man and not ap- being apologetic for it and there's not enough guys yeah. that don't want to fucking be men no more
1: no they don't there's a lot that goes with it i mean you know if you, to be a man is to take on some big responsibility and uh and i'm not just talking about walking around with testicles I, i'm not talking about just swinging in your junk i'm just saying <laughs> There's a lot of responsibility to, to to being a man, and or there should be at yeah. least, because that's the way God created us. And and I don't know, man. They've they've done everything they can to attack both masculinity and true femininity in our culture these days. Oh, yeah, and that's a big fight for me. Like I'm I'm heavy in that fight of um calling the bullshit out.
0: Yeah,
1: and defending real masculinity, de- feeling defending real womanhood. And, um, that pisses a lot of people off. I mean, it's weird that you would think that, that, and I'm like, isn't this what y'all were marching in the street about how you wanted men to be men and and not, um, victimize women and, and hurt women. I mean, isn't that what y'all wanted? You didn't want to be harassed or abused. And now we come along saying the same thing. And y'all are like, oh, you're just toxic. You're mansplaining or whatever the hell they say.
0: Well, you're making them think, and that's what pisses them off.
1: Yeah yeah you're
0: you're explaining shit in a way that is reasonable. It makes so much fucking sense. and when you say something to somebody and they're only following that idea because someone else told them to, or something has become trendy and cool, but they don't really have a passion or an understanding of why they believe in what they believe in. When you say something that goes against what they think, but it makes sense, that pisses. People off
1: to the core. Yeah. I mean, something to be said for men, dude. I you know, that girl got murdered at University of Georgia the other day. Uh, you know, by the they illegal, guy beat her to by, yeah, the by the illegal, the Venezuelan. I mean, he beat her to death. And it's like it'd have been nice to have some men around who were willing to protect and Shit. and, you know, wring that guy's neck. Um, we need men. We need strong men. We need strong women too, but you know, oh, and it's okay to it's okay for to differentiate the two things and say, Hey, listen, they got roles. I did a video the other day that was kind of funny talking about the biology of breastfeeding and, uh, and how men ain't got that, you know, men ain't got that biology. And they're arguing for saying, Oh, men's breast milk is just as healthy as women's breast milk. It's like bullshit, dude. <laughs> I mean, what level of insanity you got to stretch your imagination and mind to make yourself believe some kind of garbage like that.
0: You're fucking idiot. Um,
1: it is absolute insanity, dude. And, so, you know, that's my thing. I, I I call that stuff out because I think the world needs it. Otherwise, we're just going to keep on this downward spiral of chaos.
0: Yeah, I try to make the point to everybody. And if you're listening to this right now, listen to the point before you fucking react, please. Because some of y'all be trying to click shit out that I say make me sound worse. You, <laughs> th- you think about back around World War II. If you take out the blatant racism. That was in the world at the time, and there was way too much of it. There's still, there shouldn't be racism anymore, but you're always going to have fucking assholes. Uh, there's yeah. always is going to be hateful, mean people. You look back then when you had men acting like men, women acting like women, the world was at peace after the wars. Like, that, just everybody's home life was happier. Like I said, you got to take the fucking racism out of it because everybody can agree that was bad. There's nobody that wants to go back to the Jim Crow era or any of that shit or segregated schools. Everybody can agree that shit was bad. But you look at the home life. You look at the community life. You look at the towns. You look at the way that everything was run back then. It was a better place to live. And I think that we've got so far away from the idea of it's okay for a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman. And even those people that want to consider themselves that, that is fine. Just don't shove it down my throat and mm. go live your life and be fucking happy. Like, I yeah. don't, you don't need my approval. I don't need your approval to be fucking straight and like women. I don't know why yeah. you have to have my approval, but the world was just better then like it, it, it really was
1: and uh, and to your point and to your point even in the black community yeah you had jim crow laws you had segregation those were not good things but within the black community things were far better fathers were in the home oh, um, you know they got dressed up in a suit they went to church the nuclear family was valued um boys and girls knew who their father was you compare it to what the black community is now that's a direct result of what the, both the civil rights movement and Democrats, especially in people like Lyndon Johnson did to the black community. They decimated them with a welfare system um, and and fed fed a bunch of people a lot of lies and actually started rewarding, um, you know, single parent homes. and And it just it just became, you know, a worse situation. So you're right. That's why I get, I get, I kind of laugh when people say, oh, it's so racist to say MAGA or make America great again. And I'm like, no, we just want to go back to a place where we actually did have some values. We actually did have some traditions that were valuable to us and some things that we did and, and we thought they were, you know, sacred and honorable. And, and we did those things, you know, in the middle 20th century, again, no society is perfect and it never will be. But, we don't have any of that anymore. I mean, there's, there's websites. I talked about it on my show. That'll come out tomorrow night. There's websites out there that are dedicated to the violence going on in Chicago. I mean, there's a murder every 22 hours this year in Chicago and we're not supposed to talk about that. I'm like, no, I am going to talk about that. You know, they didn't want to, the media, I called out the media on Instagram the other day and, um, Uh, had a video that went viral because they didn't want to release the names of the shooters at the Kansas City Super Bowl parade. They said because they were underage. They weren't underage. They were 18 and 22. They didn't want to release their names because they were black. And I'm like, listen, stop protecting bad behavior because that bad behavior was committed by somebody that's classified as a minority or something like that. That's that's an unfair way to be living, and it, you know, society cannot be better if we're not calling those those identifiers out. Not for the purpose of separating people, because you know that point zero 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 one percent of your DNA is different because your skin pigmentation is different than mine. I don't give a damn what color your skin is. That's uh-huh. not the issue. Um, I, I I care about your character. I care about you know your values. I care about that. So. You know, I don't care these people coming across the southern border. You take that Venezuelan. I don't give a shit that he had brown skin. He had a different value system. Yeah. He had no intention of coming to America and abiding by our rule of law, assimilating to our constitution and embracing our values. And and these days, everybody's willing to excuse that kind of shit in the name of being nice. Um, and and you know, you saw that Super Bowl ad the other night. The whole Jesus, you know, he gets us where all the foot washing is going on. It said Jesus didn't preach hate. Well, what you guys have done is you've taken the word hate and redefined it so that just telling the truth is hate. That's yeah. not hate. Telling the truth is actually fucking compassionate. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm not telling you the truth, then, then I'm not trying to help you. I'm not trying to better you. It's not compassionate at all. And so we got this. We've started elevating this whole thing about be nice, be nice. Jesus, to use that example, Jesus wasn't nice. They didn't crucify him for being nice. He was a radical. He was a revolutionary.
0: I believe he put um, the he, table over for a taxpayer.
1: You know, he booked the system, dude. He yeah. fought back, and, and they crucified him for it. So so what we got to do is get back to telling the truth and exposing the lies, and, you know, they're going to hate us for it. They're, they're going to come after us. They're going to criticize us, and they're going to clip your podcast and make it say what they want it to say out of the context and uh, that's just the price we have to pay, but I for one and I know you're the same way, I'm just going to keep telling the truth cuz I don't know any other way to do it.
0: Well, that's is my God tells me to tell the truth. Like yes. that's my thing. Like if I see it, I've never been the type of person that can't talk about it. If I know right. there's an injustice going on, I want to fucking I want to get in the middle of it. I've said for the longest time the world needs more cowboys. And mm. what people just don't get when I mean that is I need there to be more men or women that if you see something's going wrong, if you put your foot down right then, it doesn't go any farther. We, we live yeah. in a society where everybody thinks that they're fucking right or they're whatever. They're willing at all costs to be proven right even when they're wrong. That poor girl at the UGA being murdered. The sad thing is about all this shit, And anybody else has lost a life to somebody coming over illegally. It's going to take some fucking high up politician to lose a family member before they decide to do something different. Because our lives aren't valued the same way as one of their family members. And all you're doing, people like me and a lot of other folks, is we're just saying, hey, value our life. Just as much as you're valuing yours and your families. We don't want supremacy. We want equality. We know that bad shit is going to continue happening because we see it in our communities. We see it firsthand. These fucking politicians and other people, they don't this not happen to them because their family, like we talked about the the celebrities earlier. They don't live in the same reality we live in. They don't live in the same fucking world that we live in.
1: Yeah. And I say, you know, people say, well, there's murders that happen all the time. Why is this one any different? And what I've reminded people on my show is I said, this murder happened because of a federal policy. Like this administration actually has blood on its hands because of a policy. It's one thing to murder. We know that murder is wrong, no matter who does it to who else. But when it's done under the permission of a federal policy, uh, you know, that that we're supposed to have lawmakers that are actually protecting the citizens, but yet they're they're allowing bad things to happen without the protection of the citizens. That's when we got to get a little bit pissed off and start calling this shit out. And so that's why this thing is different, right? So anyway, we're here, and you're right. I mean, it, it, they don't care about us. They, they don't care about us. Big government will never care about us. They're not going to look at us and be like, oh, yeah, you know, those poor folks. I, and again, you know, Joe Biden is proof. It don't matter who's the president of the United States. It doesn't matter because he ain't running a damn thing. I mean, he, he can't hardly, he can't hardly, you know, make it through the day without pissing his pants. So, um, you know, we've learned real quick that the bureaucracy and big governments, what's running things and, you know, who knows who's running that. So here we are, we just caught into it. We're just, we're just fodder for the machine, bro.
0: Yeah. See, I'm not even a Trump guy, but I think he's the best of the worst. I think it's the best chance for us to be feared again by other nations. I think it's the best chance for somebody to put their fucking foot down. Like if we don't have a radical change in November by this time in four years, shit, dude, I'd be surprised if You could have a fucking podcast and talk about what we want to talk about.
1: Well, I don't know that. I don't know that we're going to come back from where we are right now. I mean, it's going to take, and I do think Trump has the business acumen and, and the sense to, to do some things that are pretty strong and unpopular to turn the ship around. Um, I mean, like, you know, I've said over and over again, Trump will have this border situation fixed in 30 days. Uh, I got a good friend of mine, Joe Frank Martinez. He's the sheriff down in Valverde County, which is Del Rio, which is, you know, down there where a lot of them are coming across. And he's a liberal Democrat. And I've met with him numerous times. He's my buddy. Uh, and he'll say, he'll tell you, he'll say, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. But he had this thing fixed. Yeah. Like this border issue was fixed when he was president. And he said, you know, the Biden administration doesn't at all have a handle on this deal. You're right. Um, so, I, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I'll tell you, you know, four more years of Joe Biden's administration, we can't survive. And what's worse is if they take Joe out of the equation and they put somebody in there where we could potentially see eight more years of, of Democrat leadership with a different candidate. There's no way this company, uh, country survives. They just won't because progressive ideals it's going to turn the entire country into shitholes like the inner cities. You can't name a single inner city that's thriving, not a single damn one of them. And that's all because of liberal progressive policies.
0: Yeah, we're fucked. But uh, fucked. you know what? As long as we got people like you, me, and some more folks, like to be <laughs> loud, entertained, and actually tell the truth, maybe there's a little bit of hope somewhere out there.
1: Yeah, I got a song coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's called "Famous Again," and the premise of the song is "Let's make Jesus famous again." It, it's it's a country song. I mean, it is a banger, an earworm. So I want people to be on the lookout for it because you're gonna love it. I mean, it's a song that gets in your head. You can't you can't stop with it. But you know, I, I said it, until we get some values back, um, it, we we really are screwed. We really are screwed. Yeah, so, right.
0: well, tell everybody really where they can find everything, Chad Prather. Your well, media, they can they can and we'll get the hell out of here, boss.
1: Yeah, if you jump on anything and put my name in the uh, in the search engine, you're going to find me. It's going to pop up. But I just tell people, you know, go over to watchchad.com uh, or you can go to chadprather.com, Either one, they both go to the same place. You can find the podcast. You can find, um, you know, merch. You can find tour dates right there on the home page. Usually see some updated music on there. Lots of stuff. So um, it's kind of the one stop shop for all things Chad and. And uh, you can even shoot me a message if you want to. But I, I really want people. You know, my big passion right now is pushing people to the Chad Prather show, and 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 getting people listening to the podcast, watching the podcast, leaving ratings, leaving reviews. And I say they need to do that for you as well, because I mean, it may be vanity, but I'll tell you, those ratings and reviews where podcasts are offered, they really help drive it up the charts, and 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 it tells the world that they want to hear and see content like this and it helps the algorithms. And I think if if you're on here doing, you know, if you're speaking common sense, if I'm speaking common sense and the world needs more of that, well, it don't cost you a darn thing to go out there and boost that algorithm or share it on your social media. You know what I'm saying? So I I say that to your listeners, like I say it to my listeners, it's like we're in this thing together, dude. We got to, we got to elevate the right voices.
0: You said it the nice way. I'm going to say it the dickheaded way. (laughs) We don't charge you to listen to the show. We don't ask you to subscribe to nothing. Do us a favor, both of us. Go leave a review. Go leave a rating. It helps us, like he said, more than you know. And that yeah. that's, that's all the payment that I wish any of y'all would do for us. Because literally overnight, if everybody that listens to this show, we could make Chad jump up to where life's a little bit better. Make me jump up to where life's a little bit better. And it's more of what you want to hear to where we get more guests on that this is the type of conversation that you hear. So yep. you guys can help us a lot if you just do that.
1: Heck yeah. I like it.
0: Cool, dude. Well, hey, anytime you want to hang out, anytime you want to do a show, anytime you want me to do yours, whatever, dude. I'm down. It's always a great conversation with you.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna get you on mine. I want you to come out here to Texas, hang with me. We go drink something and eat some steak and Oof, let's and uh chill a little bit I and uh to text anytime. You know, Fort Worth will always be home because uh, I was there for so, so long and I love it. But I moved down to North Houston, a little area called the Woodlands. I call it my uppity eco bubble. I'm down <laughs> here with the rich folks now. You know, I'm down here. I'm down here with the folks that uh, when it rains too hard, they they almost drown because their noses are stuck so high in the air. But now nah, I give them a hard time, but there's some good folks around here. In Montgomery County, Texas, this is a beautiful place. The traffic sucks, but man, it sure is nice.
0: Well, we'll make our way out there this year and we'll do it in the next couple of months.
1: Come on, brother.
0: All right, man. Well, hey, folks, thank you all so much for listening to the Josh Chay Podcast. Y'all check out Chad. Leave ratings. Leave reviews. Just thank you all so much for everything. Uh, I hope all y'all have a great day, and we'll be checking with you later. Thank you all.